Hi, I'm Gina Saldano-Hurley. Welcome to Why We Write, the podcast where I interview authors to explore what lies at the heart of their writing. Join me in the quest to discover what unifying experiences all of us writers share, the unexpected, the out of this world, and the very simple yet complicated question of why we write. Today, I would like to welcome to the show, Lisa Lavanco Rogers. Lisa was inspired to write for children during her career as an elementary school librarian. Beautiful Noise, the music of John Cage, received starred reviews from Booklist, the Horn Magazine book, Horn Book Magazine, and Publishers Weekly. Illustrated by award-winning Ilsung Ma, this book is about the avant-garde composer's approach to making music. Her other books include 16 Words, William Carlos Williams, and The Red Wheelbarrow, which is about the inspiration for Williams's famous 16-word poem. Honors for that book include starred reviews from Kirkus and Publishers Weekly, a review in the New York Times Book Review, a Julie Award, Howell Award, a Junior Library Guild selection, and a 2020 Bank Street Best Book, and a 2016 Penn New England Susan P. Bloom Children's Book Discovery Award. Her Rescue Hound inspired her rhyming picture book, Hound Won't Go, which was selected as a Massachusetts must-read by Mass Center for the book. Her other book, Discover Her Art, Women Artists, and Their Masterpieces, profiles 24 women artists. Lisa holds degrees in English literature from William & Mary and Boston College and a master's in library science from Southern Connecticut State University. She is a former daily newspaper reporter and editor. Lisa grew up at the Jersey Shore and lives in Massachusetts near the halfway point of the Boston Marathon, which she's run four times. She loves to run, garden, kayak, paint, and have adventures with her hound. So I'll have just done an introduction talking about Lisa Rogers and her award-winning fantastic books, but I want to go ahead and dive in because I like getting to the heart of the why here. So when and how did you begin creating books? So as a kid, I was a big noticer. I noticed everything around me. I was really quiet and I paid a lot of attention and I love to read. I thought I would become an artist because I love diving into poetry anthologies and being inside Mm -hmm. those poems and inside those illustrations. And I didn't know any authors. So even though I did a little bit of writing, that was not an immediate goal for me. Um, But I just discovered last week, a book that I had written when I was probably in first or second grade called the girl book, I guess it was, (laughs) I knew it was nonfiction and it was um, pretty bad, but I was really- Yeah, but that's so fun to (laughs) to have that still. It was, I found it um, at my mom's house and I was so surprised because I had no memory of it at all. I really thought that the first thing I had ever written was a poem about my dog. Um, but no, this, and, uh, so it was really fun and I had illustrated it. So it was kind of cool that I had, I still have that. Um, but I didn't know when I realized that art was not going to be my thing, Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to reach a different goal, which is one of being a writer. I wanted to write. I didn't know what I would write. I became a journalist. Then I became an elementary school library teacher and- During that career, I fell in love with picture books and I tried to write the ones that were popular at the time, funny and charming. And 
luckily enough, it was the time when picture book biographies really started to come to the fore, the new kind mm -hmm. of picture book biographies that I was buying and sharing with my students. And I just fell in love with the genre. I'd always like to read nonfiction, but this was a new kind of nonfiction. And I wanted to, I wanted to do that. So yeah, that's awesome. And like, what a great, you know, intro to get there, the library having that. I feel like that's always, you know, those of us who come from there, it's like, you have that great foundation of you've read so many of those books, you know? So exactly. and I learned so much from them. I learned so much. I learned what worked with kids. I learned what they were interested in, but most of all, I learned how sophisticated child readers are. They mm -hmm. really dig into these books. They really want to know more. They have big minds. And I learned never, never to write down to them or talk down to them. Right. Yeah, definitely. It's an, it's an important thing that, you know, you don't necessarily consider until you start writing in there in that genre and getting into it. So when you do do your writing, what is always oh, <laughs> a free friend <laughs> in the background? What is your ideal time and place to write these days? So I've never been successful at starting a piece of writing um, at the computer or even on paper. It has to first sift through my mind. So mm -hmm. first thing in the morning, as I'm waking up, I may get a line in my mind. I'm thinking about something and um, I'll rush. Uh, I'll, I have a piece of paper right next to my bed. And so I'll write it down or I'll just repeat it endlessly um, until I can get to a piece of paper. And, or if I'm running, I have lots and lots of um, ideas while I'm running. Words mm -hmm. just come into my mind. And those are my ideal places. But in summer, summer is my favorite place to, to write at a table outside with my dog sleeping in the sun mm -hmm. and words flying around. And um, that that would be my ideal place to write. Yeah, that is, that sounds wonderful. And it's very much the opposite of what's outside my window. It's like dreary and rainy and cold January. <laughs> it's like, that sounds like magic, a warm summer day. So what are some books that you've read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, well, I just read Kwame Alexander's An American Story, which is unbelievable, illustrated by Dear Coulter. Um, it is a picture book that addresses the hard truths of slavery head on. And it is so amazing, so impactful. And I just, I'm astonished by its beauty, by its truth. And um, I love that it was inspired by Kwame Alexander's, uh, an experience Kwame Alexander had with his daughter's teacher that he realized mm -hmm. they were um, not addressing slavery um, even during their uh, in history unit. So he oh, was wow. write, write the book. And in the book, the teacher says, oh, I'm sorry, children. I'm sorry that, you know, I'm introducing this hard book to you, right? And, mm -hmm. but it's, right, it's true. It's important to know that is, I am so glad you mentioned this book because I didn't know about it. And I literally was trying to have this conversation with my five-year-old like last week because I, you know, it came up and he was like, what's that mommy? And I'm like, um, how do I, that is, that's what a resource to have. Right. And it's, it's wonderful that there are so many great books on this topic. Um, one that I absolutely love too is, um, by my friend, Ray Anthony Shepard. Mm -hmm. This book came out this year, a long time coming. 
the subtitle is Lyrical Biography of Race in America from Ona Judge to Barack Obama. And it is so beautifully written. Every word is so carefully chosen. And so you meet people like Martha Washington's enslaved person, Ona Judge. Mm -hmm. You meet Harriet Tubman. You feel that they are people. So it's mm -hmm. it's really essential reading. Um, so from Ona Judge to... Um, you know, through to Harriet Tubman, Martin Luther King, Barack Obama, you see their everyday struggles, you see, you see who they are, you see, you feel love for each one of them through um, the fact that they dedicated their lives um, to the goal of racial yeah. equality. And it's it's just a stunning book so yes I, that is yeah I'm gonna go get those immediately as soon as possible because <laughs> that is yeah so fantastic and to make them you know more than just the historical figures and names to make them the people that they were and you mentioned that you're um someone in the writing community you knew wrote the second one so I wanted to ask about your involvement in the writing community because that's where I met you and how has that affected your life and when did you first get started with it so the writing community is the whole reason why I became a published author, the entire mm -hmm. reason. Uh, I really believe that this is not something you can do on your own, that you need people supporting you, teaching you, keeping you from quitting, which is what happened in my case. Um, and I joined the 12 by 12 writing community in 2012, which was the first year it started. And I had so much to learn. It took it took me a long time to realize that I had to write a lot of different manuscripts and not just stick with one and, mm -hmm. you know, endlessly revise it when it really wasn't good enough. And, and that was OK. I have lots of um, manuscripts that I can always go back to if I want to. But because of the writing community, I stayed the course. I was about to stop in I think it was 20. 16, mm -hmm. I decided to join 12 by 12 again. And I dedicated my, I dedicated that year to my goal. I remember writing, I was a library teacher and I remember writing a goal at the beginning of the year for myself saying mm -hmm. that this is the year I'm going to become closer to being, becoming a published author. That was my goal. And in October, yeah. I had a bite from an agent, <gasps> a so writing exciting. friend, writing friend, encouraged me to submit a manuscript that I thought was just so skeletal, it wouldn't go anywhere, um, to a contest. And it won because Whoa. of the, so because of the writing community, I entered the contest, it won. Uh, and it was the writing community, of course, who held the contest. And mm -hmm. then um, at the same time, my agent had, she had just offered representation. She submitted um, a manuscript and I received a contract really soon after. So, whoa, how yeah. powerful that is. And I love the way you put your goal too, because, you know, some people say, I will become a published author. And that's like, you know, it's out of our control, but I will be closer to that is something within our control, you know? And what, can I ask, what was that manuscript, the one that you got the contract? Um, it was my debut book, 16 Words, William Carlos Williams and the oh Red Bull. So exciting. Oh, I still get the chills just thinking about that time um, because it was so exciting to have an agent to, you know, to win the contest, to have an agent to to mm -hmm. have 
sculptor who loved the manuscript and who tenderly, so tenderly brought it to life. It was just a dream. It was a dream come true. And and I would have been happy with just one book. I honestly would mm -hmm. have. But of course, I had ideas. I'm glad you didn't stop at the one book, though. I mean, for those of you who haven't read Hound Won't Go, I mean, that one is fantastic. I've definitely read that one. And your more recent one with uh, the beautiful noise, right? The life of John Cage. I mean, I feel like that's the thing. Writers, we try to stop having ideas, but then they just keep coming. You know, <laughs> they, they don't stop. No, they don't stop at all. And that's so, a great thing. Yeah. So speaking of having ideas, how do you refill your creative well? Uh, well, walking my hound. This hound does <laughs> like to go. He's very goey. <laughs> um, and I would like to explore his backstory and a uh, story for him someday. Ooh, yes. Um, going for a run is a huge way to fill my well because it just makes me feel so good. I love to paint. And when I paint, I have kind of flow. So that's mm -hmm. that's a really great state to be in. Um, reading, gardening, writing poetry. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly, you know, just noticing the world and reflecting on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd I mean, that, that I feel like that came through a lot in Beautiful Noise, you know, noticing the world. That's like a big part of it. So how cool to be able to incorporate that into a story, you know, having that that mindset of just noticing what's going on. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So what do you most enjoy about being a writer storyteller? So I'm all about challenging myself. And, you know, this was a huge goal um, to publish. Mm -hmm. And that was a big challenge. But um, I think the biggest challenge now is to produce work that is good enough to mm -hmm. that will really speak to those savvy young readers in a meaningful way because they are, uh, you know, arbiters of taste and they know what they like and they um, love a good takeaway. So I want to write for the readers who um, want the best and they mm -hmm. deserve the best. Yeah. And I mean, that, you know, kind of grows the next generation of those, you know, really, really avid readers and potential authors and, you know, just kind of continuing, continuing on in that. So what keeps you going when you hit an obstacle? So when I almost gave up um, mm -hmm. the writing community, I, I was at a um, writer's loft uh, meeting and I told some folks about a champagne rejection I had gotten. And they said, oh, that means you're getting close. Don't give up. Um, and it wasn't that the rejection was going to keep me from giving up. It's just like, well, I've tried, I've done my best, but I hadn't done my best. So mm -hmm. I know that this is not an easy road. So that keeps me going, knowing mm -hmm. the reality of it, that it's, it's going to happen. You have to give your best. It has to be the best. Um, and, <laughs> you know, thinking about rejection, I was a reporter. So I was rejected every time I walked into a room, Oh, there's the reporter and we can't talk to her. Um, or my editors who told me my stories weren't good enough. So um, mm -hmm. because I love challenge, um, if a story doesn't sell, I either just let it sit or I work on it and turn it upside down and inside out like I did with Beautiful Noise and try to do my very best work. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing you mentioned doing your best work. And that's something that keeps changing. I think a lot of us, like we can kind of get stuck like, oh my gosh, this is my best, but like tomorrow's best is different than today's best. And that's, you know, an ideal that keeps changing. Sure. Because we're always growing and changing and, mm -hmm. and reading mentor texts opens us up to new ways of writing, new ways of seeing, and that changes mm -hmm. your work 
too. Everything you, everything that you are and do changes your work. Yeah, 100%. So why do you write? <laughs> well, I write because I love story. I love sharing stories. I love seeing what kids take away from stories. And I think because I did that for so long as a school library teacher, it's something that's really important to me that they have quality stories. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to also in help students and kids see that their own lives are important. That if I'm writing about you know, someone who's now famous, well, how did they get inspired? How, what were they like as a child? They were just an ordinary kid, right? So mm -hmm. um, their stories are just as important as the stories that I write about famous people, right? Their mm -hmm. stories are true to them. They have their own experiences that are just as worthy as any other story that I could write. So everybody sees the world differently and that's mm -hmm. what makes our lives wonderful, really. Yeah, definitely. I always like that quote. Um, I forget where it's from, but you know, you're, everything's already been written, but it hasn't been written by you. You know, I forget where I, I've heard that so many places, but it, it really keeps me going sometimes because I'm like, oh God, this has been done like so many times, but you know, everyone can do it differently and in your own way. Absolutely. Yeah. There are always stories to be written. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So if you could go back to 2012, when you first started your writing journey with 12 by 12, and you could give yourself a bit of advice, what would it be? Um, be brave enough to keep going for the skull and also be brave enough to realize that you can improve, mm -hmm. right? Your first try most likely is not going to be your best try. But if this is a goal that's really important, you've got to keep going, you have to keep learning and you can't give up because giving up means that you will never reach out. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing I think is hard for some of us to swallow, you know, that we can keep improving because we hear it. It's one thing to hear it and like, oh, okay, I know, you know, everyone's, but like, it's another to accept that and grow with it. You know, it's can be difficult <laughs> to accept. <laughs> right. I mean, you look at this work, you, you, you think you've perfected every word and, but no, there's always something that can be improved. And even from reading published books aloud all the time, uh, mm -hmm. I often would elide certain words if the rhythm was off or if there really mm -hmm. should have been a pause or maybe even a page turn. Um, I could, I, I gained an ear for, you know, what a book sounded like, but, mm -hmm. but unless I read my own work aloud, yeah, I can miss things. Yeah. And, and also, you know, on the flip side, like you said before, the story that you submitted for the contest, you thought it wasn't good enough, but, you know, we get so close to them, it's hard to be objective. And so having those people around us, those other writers to tell us, no, yes, you need to do this exactly. can be helpful. Exactly. So Beautiful Noise was one of those times when I had struggled with his manuscript for years. I wanted to tell the story of John Cage and his unique way of seeing the world, but it, it was very hard to do. And one morning when I had totally given up on the manuscript or almost totally, I guess, um, I woke up and the lines of the book came to my mind and I typed them out and I sent them to a critique partner. And I said, is this a story? 
Because <laughs> I really didn't know. It was kind of like the wheelbarrow story, the William mm -hmm. Carlos story. I wasn't quite sure it was a story. And she said, absolutely. And, you know, that one again was, was done kind of in a flash. I mean, um, Ann Schwartz, my editor, helped me revise it again, gently and tenderly and made it even more beautiful. Um, but yeah, that was, it was pretty much it. That. Yeah, that is awesome. And the thing is too, it's not like it, it was just that moment. It's like everything building up to that moment. It's like every, you know, all the years and work put in and then event, and then it gets to the point where it clicks and it seemingly happens so fast, but really behind it, there's all these years and all this like, oh my gosh, what is this draft? And <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So tell us about your latest book. We've kind of talked about it a bit and where it's available. Oh, well, it's available everywhere. Um, you know, from my local bookshop, Wellesley Books, which mm -hmm. I dearly love, and, uh, you know, to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and, wow. So I really felt this book was special because I, maybe because it took so long to write. Mm -hmm. And also because it, this is a book that can speak to anyone. Anyone in the world um, can experience the world around them and try to see it in a new way. Yeah. So, um, but when I saw the illustrations for the book, I was simply amazed because mm -hmm. even though I like to paint and uh, there's no way I could ever visualize um, a picture book, you know, from my words, it's just not possible for me. And I could not believe the world that Ilsung Nat created for the book and the colors he used and the vibrancy and the meaning of every single page, the the fact that he created 60 symbols of sound. End pages. Yeah, I started with the first end page. And I was like, what is, is this? This seems important. I'm going to read all these. And then I went through the book and it, so for those of you who haven't seen Beautiful Noise or in part, like seen the book or the pages there, it visualizes sound in a way that is just breathtaking and so immersive because how fun for a reader, especially for a young reader, like, oh, I recognize that in this and. Right, just... right. And how would you um, depict the sound of a marimba or the sound mm -hmm. of ball bouncing, right? That's something mm -hmm. that readers can do themselves, which I think is really fun. They can create their own vocabulary. Yeah, in like the sounds that are most important to them because there's 60 there and I'm sure, you know, John Cage imagined so many more and there are so many more sounds in the world. Just a, a, so many things you can get out of this book. It's, and the illust I just, yeah, the way the words and the illustrations work together, it is unlike anything I've read before, definitely. <laughs> Well, thank you. It's it, it's unique, just like John Cage. Yeah, it's very fitting. Perfect for him. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'd never heard of him before either. So it was learning in all kinds of ways. So where is the best place for listeners or readers to connect with you? Ah, well, um, certainly my website, lisarogerswrites.com. Um, I'm edging into blue sky. I'm edging... Mm -hmm probably, you know, maybe out of Twitter, but I'm still active on Twitter um, because really it was such a wonderful, it has been such a wonderful place to connect with people. I've met so many people that way and, and uh, teachers and librarians and readers. And that's really fun. Um, through Twitter, I even met a musician who uses um, radio scanners to make his music. And I sent him a copy of the book because he was oh. such a fan. So that, I mean, so it's, yeah. it's, 
right? So, um, yeah, so I'd love to connect cool. with people, see how people are um, reading, what people are liking about the book, um, what mm -hmm. else they're reading. I'd love to give recommendations for books, so. Yeah. Perfect, yeah, and I'll have all the links in the post show notes, wherever the show notes are on my blog and website. So people can find those and the books and your website and everything. And I have enjoyed this so much. Is there anything I didn't ask that you wanted to say or any other words we didn't, we didn't share? Well, I do have some upcoming books. <gasps> yes. Yes. Please tell me. Um, so this year, I, uh, last year I wrote my first little golden book biography about mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan, which was a challenge to write. It was really hard because um, these books are for small kids, but they, mm -hmm. you know, the, it's it's not creative nonfiction by any means, right? You have to, right. um, you just have Let to- Let a very public life. People know the facts, yeah. Well, know the facts, right? And so you have to distill like his huge life, everything that he did, you know, into- um, you know, a few pages, and it was just a wonderful experience. I really enjoyed it. And um, I'm so happy that I was given the opportunity to write another one. And that little golden book, which hasn't been announced yet, will come out in December. So I'm super excited about that. Really excited. It was so much fun to do. Um, and then in 2025, I have two books coming out. One is about an artist, and the other one, which has been announced, is about the author of the book, Where the Red Fern Grows, which is a classic mm -hmm. book written in 1961 about a boy and his two hound dogs. And it is the most touching story you have ever read. And I think that's why it's still on summer reading lists. And mm -hmm. this Woodrow Wilson Rawls is the author and his life story is incredible. I could not believe it when I learned it. So that was something I wanted to share. With. Yeah, that is so exciting. So definitely keep an eye out for those. I'm sure you'll have the links for those when they become available on your website too. So that will still be a good place to find them. This has been so great. And I hope everyone runs out and reads Beautiful Noise immediately. And then also all the other ones. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on another episode of Why We Write. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to like, share, comment, or pass along the show however you please. Until next time, I hope you take a moment to remember why you write whenever you sit down to get some words in.